We welcome you to the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Kimber Peterson. Good morning and welcome back to Smarter Parenting. Today's topic came from the Burgess family and they asked for more information on how to help your ADHD child with going to bed for the night. And this is a topic that a lot of people are struggling with. So it's a great one for the podcast. So the Burgess family shared that they have a nine-year-old son named Rowan, and they really struggle with bedtime for a variety of reasons. So here's some of the examples of behaviors that they have. One is that even getting started with the bedtime process comes with a lot of delays and prolonging behaviors, things where he's drying it out for as much time as he possibly can. So if he's asked to clean up the living room and put away the toys so that they can go upstairs, then he's already starting to move really slowly, doesn't clean up all the way, and moves off to other areas or starts playing with different toys as a distraction. Once they finally get the living room cleared up and they get upstairs, there's other things like, oh, I need to go back downstairs for a glass of water, and oh, I need this. So the family struggles with a lot of that back and forth all through the bedtime routine. Once he's in bed, those requests don't end. So he continues to come out of his room asking for more and more things or saying that he can't sleep or that there's a weird noise or other excuses. They feel like bedtime typically draws on for two to three hours and they're tired of it, understandably. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about why bedtime is challenging for most families, but also for ADHD families in particular. So if you think about bedtime, a lot of parents are looking to get it over with. They want it to be efficient and done as quickly as possible so that they can have their downtime. Your child wants the opposite. So you two are working on two completely different missions. It's really hard to get aligned when you're both working for opposite purposes. So one of the things that you can do is consider what your perspective is going into bedtime, what your wishes are, and realign your expectations with something that's realistic. Is it realistic for you to hurry and get bedtime done in 15 minutes and then move on to whatever you're wanting to do, watching Netflix or reading a book or just staring at the ceiling in silence for a minute? Or is it, you know, unrealistic? And and do you need to adjust those expectations to something that really fits your family and this phase of life? Now, with all parts of childhood, a lot of things can be really temporary and these bedtime struggles can be a temporary thing if you remain consistent. But that's going to take a lot of work up front. So if you are struggling with a really drastically long bedtime routine and you're wanting it to become that quick and efficient bedtime, then I want you to realign your expectations for what that will look like right now, because it's going to take a lot of work to get there. And I'm not saying that it's not possible. Bedtimes can be very quick and painless. And I've seen that happen many, many times. But they're not always, and it takes a lot of work to get there. So invest in that work up front, and you'll get the dividends from it later. So as a solution to this problem, we're going to break bedtime into three different phases. And these phases start early on in your day, typically right after school or um, you know, in the early to late afternoon for most families. Phase one is about getting it all out. <laughs> your ADHD child has a lot of energy that they need to expend in the day. And it's really important that they get adequate time to do that. So phase one is about prioritizing things that exert energy and have fun and create laughter. And honestly, can be a bonding relationship for you and your child. Sometimes you're going to be able to participate in that. And sometimes you won't. And during this investment period, I want you to make 
an extra effort to participate in those kinds of extracurricular activities. So that might look like your child gets home from school, you guys grab a basketball, you go out in the front yard and you toss it around for a while, or you might go on a walk together or a jog. Those kinds of things where you can do it together and get out that energy is going to be an important part of this because it's doing two things. One is it's exerting some of that energy we don't want pent up later. And two is they're doing something with you at this calm and neutral time. You're building up that relationship. They'll respect things like your personal time or you getting a break more if they feel like they've had that bonding with you already. So phase one typically lasts a couple of hours. And for a lot of families, it brings you kind of from the getting out of school period to the dinner period. And in that frame of time, you're going to be able to do as many things as possible to get out a lot of energy in a variety of ways and try to get some of that creativity flowing, those kinds of things where your child gets to freely learn. Now, this is the other important piece of that period of time. There needs to be a lot of freedom and a not, not complete structure. Oftentimes, your child is coming home from school, and if they aren't coming home from school, they've probably had some other form of structure in their day, and they need a little bit of a break from it. They need some, um, you know, within boundaries, ability to just be free. So that might be go out in the backyard, explore, do whatever you want to do, but stay in the backyard. So I've given a boundary of what they need to do or where they need to be, but I'm encouraging them to freely explore or find what they want to do. Some of that boredom, some of that freedom, some of that creativity is going to also relieve their ADHD brain of some of all of that activity that's going on. Now, moving out of phase one typically happens after dinner for most families, and this is your cool down period. You are switching the energy of the house and you are calming everything in your surroundings. So that happens in a variety of ways. Some of the most important being your voice tone. Your voice tone is one of the top things that you can do to change and shift the energy in the home. As your child gets louder, you remind them that they need to be quieter, but you use a quiet voice the entire time. Calm your voice, calm your demeanor. Other things that you guys can do to cool it down in your home are dim the lights or reduce the number of lights that are on. Start to close the shutters or the blinds in the home and darken things up a little bit. Not completely. Don't operate all the way in the dark, but it's surprising how much that environment can really help calm your child as well. You can turn on some calm music in the background or a background sound like ocean waves or river noises, whatever fits best with your family and what you're interested in. You can even have your child participate in choosing some of those things that are going on so that they feel like they have a piece in it and that they're helping contribute to the calm environment in the home. So we want to have this shift well in advance of the actual bedtime happening. And during this calm down time, there's no screen time. This is the other very important piece that you can reduce or eliminate um, before bedtime because it It is something that's going to drive up your child's energy and make it challenging for them to relax their mind as they go to sleep for the night. So for an hour or two before bedtime, have no screens. Focus on other activities like reading a book or doing Legos. Lots of our ADHD kids love those kinds of tasks or activities and can become very focused on them. It's a calm and quiet activity that fits in with the rest of that environment and doesn't have a screen. So Your bedtime routine has started very early in the day. You've had your getting it out period, your calm down period, and now we're going to move into the actual bedtime routine. So phase three is the bedtime routine. And if you have an ADHD child, try to keep this list as small as possible. If you want your child to clean up or 
you know, prepare their lunch for the next day, those kinds of things, then incorporate that into other parts of your day. But for this actual bedtime routine piece, try to keep it to three things, no more than five. So my three things might be brush your teeth, put on your pajamas, and read a book. I've got younger kids, so that book is going to be incorporated into their bedtime routine as something that we can bond and do together. If you have an older child, it might be a book, but it also might be something like, think about one thing you can tell me about your day or some other bonding activity that you can do right before they go to sleep. So now that they've got their short, short list of the three things that they need to do for bedtime, this routine needs to start in an appropriate amount of time for them to meander along. (laughs) So if you've got those three things, brushing your teeth takes about two minutes, changing your clothes takes about two minutes, picking a book takes about one minute. So five minutes altogether, and I still will probably give this about 20 minutes before we need to be in bed for the night. 20 minutes before, I'll prompt my child and let them know, hey, it's time to do the bedtime routine. What are your three things? They can tell me I need to brush my teeth, put on my pajamas, and grab a book, and then they'll go and do those three things. So my child probably needs some reminders because with ADHD, this is a spectrum. So every single kid is going to need Um, you know, a a different degree of support as they work through these things. Our higher functioning or older children, you know, managing their ADHD well, they're probably going to be able to handle those three things just fine. But for a lot of our listeners, that's not where they're at right now. And so just know that for your child, you might give those three things, but you still need to follow through and make sure those three things are happening on an individual basis. So have them go through and brush their teeth and then let you know, and then make sure that they're getting their pajamas on and and not wandering around or looking at everything in their closet and, and guide them along the process. This is going to be something that you're doing together. This bedtime routine, set aside that part of your night so you're not multitasking and you're going through and you're doing it with them. I get a lot of parents that get discouraged when I talk about doing it with them because they have multiple children and that can be really hard to juggle or do. A lot of these things can be done all together. So consider that instead of using having multiple children as a barrier, consider the ways that it can help you because they're supporting one another along. We are all going to have a toothbrush party. Everybody go brush your teeth. I'm going to find a two minute song and we're all going to brush our teeth to this song. That is a great way for you guys to all do something together. Everybody will stay on track and everybody will finish brushing their teeth in about two minutes instead of in about 30. So try that out and see if that works for you. But go through each of these steps and do them with your child. So that whole bedtime routine portion, this 20-minute segment. Once you guys have gotten all the way to bed, have some sort of bonding activity. Sing a song, read a book, talk about your day, or just take a minute to say how much you appreciate them. And then it's lights out. So turn off the lights and close the door. Now, this is where your boundary sets in. So is that the end of their night or do they get to come back out? Now, for most families, they're very discouraged with their child coming back out, but they are okay with some things like getting a glass of water or um, going to the bathroom. Obviously, I don't want them to pee their bed, and so I want them to go to the bathroom, and I understand those things, but your children also understand how to work and manipulate those things. So talk together and set a very clear boundary of what can and can't happen after the door has closed. Once the door has closed, then we've, we've set this whole new expectation that it is bedtime. Everything else in the home is dark quiet. Mom and dad might be, you know, watching a movie or parents might be playing a game or doing dishes or something like that. But everything else in the house is is shut down for the night and pretty quiet. And so if my child needs to get up and get a drink of water and we've decided that that's okay, then my child would go get a drink of water and go straight back to bed. And there would be no other things that need to happen. 
Or if in your family, you've decided that after the door closes, nothing else can happen. You're not okay with them coming out for a drink of water. They'll need to remember it the next night. Then you're going to redirect that and hold that boundary firm. By when they come out, you let them know, I understand you want a glass of water. I'm sorry you did not get one before bedtime. You need to go back to your bed. You can get one tomorrow. And you're going to maintain that boundary that you've set or established. Now, these rules apply to every home a little bit differently, but the important piece that I want you to remember is if I say it, I do it. If I say you can't come out of your room after the door closes, I mean it, and I'm going to escort my child back to their bed each time. And if they come out of their room 18 times, then I'm going to escort them back to their room 18 times. I'm not going to get frustrated or start yelling or exaggerate because remember this is our investment period this is the time where you're really investing in making a change in bedtime but if i am very consistent with walking my child back to their bed each time and maintaining the boundary that i set i'm sorry the door has closed you are not able to go to the kitchen the kitchen is closed you're not able to get a snack those kinds of statements and then just guiding my child back to their bed then the next night it's going to reduce and the next night it's going to reduce And then the next night it might increase a bit and that's called an extinction burst. When we're changing a behavior in a child, things often get worse before they get better. And that's a natural thing that happens in most behaviors we're trying to change. So expect that with bedtime a little bit too. Even though you're being consistent, you still might see some more pushback or an increase in behavior before we see that reduction. So see that all the way through. Now I expect for a family that is very consistent with this, For it to take about two weeks to a month for your children to really grow and understand that routine of bedtime. That's a long time. It's a lot of investment, but it is so much better to be over with and be done. This is coming out on June 8th. And so we have about till July 8th. And after that point, you have a lot more freedom. That means all next school year, they're doing well with their bedtime routine for the remainder of the summer. This Christmas, they're doing great. And for upcoming birthdays, they're doing well. All of those things that you can look forward to and know, okay, those bedtime routines are going to go a lot better because of this. So as a reminder, we've got those three phases. Phase one is about getting it all out, using that energy, expending it, getting it out with your child and finding ways to bond with them in that process. Phase two is where you are adjusting the environment to calm things down reduce voice tones, turn off screens, turn off lights, anything else to calm the home and the environment. Phase three is using their bedtime routine. And this is going to be a brief list of three to five things at most for them to do to prepare for bed. And it's not going to include making lunches or other kinds of complicated tasks because we want to incorporate those into other parts of our day or in our schedule not right at bedtime. So instead of clustering that all together and saying, okay, here's the 18 things we need to do to prepare for tomorrow, focus on the three to five things that they have to do to prepare just for bed. So bedtime routine, and then maintaining that boundary that you've set. If they're allowed to come out for water and water only, then that's fine. And you guys can establish that and maintain it in your home by being consistent about all other things that they come out for. Or if you feel like they should not have to come out of their room for any reason, then you can maintain that as well. Whatever boundary or expectation you have for your family, if I say it, I do it. If I say you can't come out for these reasons, then I follow through and I escort you back to your bed. I wish you guys luck as you jump into this bedtime routine. A lot of parents excuse summertime as not a time to worry about bedtimes, but that's going to come back to bite you in the fall. So I encourage you to try it out, to be working on it in your home and to be very consistent with it. We'll talk to you next week.